I am thankful that you're here today. If you're a guest today, we're, we're, we're so glad you're here. Um, you know, at the beginning of this year, as a church, we, we do this every year uh, in, in some way, shape, or form, but we, we have a gospel challenge. And um, every year we, we pray through uh, a gospel challenge. Lord, how do we share the gospel? How can we share the gospel uh, as a church this year in Owasso, in Tulsa, in uh, Oklahoma, the United States, and all over the world? And, and, and we pray about this, and we, we are challenging one another to be faithful to communicate the fact that Jesus came to save us. And he's done that, and he's, it's, it, that he would save us is such a miracle that he would come for us. And, um, and so we, we, the challenge in 2019 is for us as a church to, to ask the Lord to give us the opportunity to sit down with one person uh, to, to share the gospel with them. And I pray that you embrace that. I pray that you ask the Lord that. Lord, could, could I this year sit down face-to-face with one person and share the gospel? Um, you know, it's been fun to hear some of the stories that have, as, as people have prayed that prayer, just to see what's happened. This morning, I got this crazy phone call uh, from Mike Roark. Um, Mike is a member of our church, Mike and Liz. Uh, they're actually right now leading a trip from our church to Cambodia. So he called me from Cambodia, and it's Sunday night in Cambodia. He's about to go to bed, and he was, he called me from, and I love technology. I love that we can do that, uh, that, that um, I was on a jog this morning, and my phone rings, and it's Mike, and, and he's like, hey, man, I'm in, I'm in a tuk-tuk in Nam Pen, Cambodia, in crazy traffic, and if you've, I don't know if you've ever been, I, we, I went last year, and it's crazy traffic, and, and so the tuk-tuk is those little motorcycles with the little caboose on the back or whatever, but, um, um, and he was in that. He goes, he goes uh, I got to tell you what happened. He's been at a pastor's retreat um, the last several days. Uh, Ed Robertson is a member of our church. He was there with uh, Mike and Liz, and, and, uh, and they've been leading this pastor's retreat. Well, Mike had this kind of crazy idea. There's this Buddhist monk that he's kind of gotten to know, and so when he goes to the, uh, before he goes to the pastor's retreat, he invites this monk. Hey, you want to come? We're going to talk about Jesus. And the guy was like, okay. And so he comes. The, the monk comes. And uh, I think we got a picture of it somewhere. And uh, it's this guy uh, right there. The, not the OSU fan. The OSU fan right there. Um, uh, and so, so all you OSU fans are like, dude, I like that guy. Um, but uh but he comes uh, to the retreat, and, and so all week long, he's been sitting in these sessions hearing Mike talk about Jesus. And uh, so they, they, they finished, and they'd returned, and, and Mike said, I just got a phone call from Sakuntia, who's the, the wife of the pastor. We, we support a church there in Cambodia, and it's the pastor's wife. She said, she called me, and the monk is so interested in what he heard this week. He went back to his pagoda, which is the place where they all live, and he told all his other monks, hey, I've been like hearing about Jesus all week. And, and he, was, he was telling them what they said, and, and he go, they said, I wonder if that guy would come and talk to us. And so they called Mike and said, hey, would you come in the morning to the pagoda to talk to all of the monks about Jesus? And so Mike was like, I guess I will. 
Um, and, uh, and so he calls me and says, hey, would you pray for me? Because let me tell you something. You don't walk into a monastery and say, hey, everybody, let me tell you about Jesus. That, that's, that could be dangerous, you know. And he goes, I hope I'm not going to, like, experience the beatings of Paul that you've been preaching about through the book of Acts. But, but they have invited me. And so, um, so we need to pray for him. And, and if, I, if I could ask you to do whatever it takes for you to remember something, whether it's you put a reminder in your phone or tie a, a string around your finger, whatever digital technology you utilize to remind something, would you put something to remind yourself to pray at 9 o'clock tonight? Because at, uh, right around then, that will be 9 o'clock. To 9 o'clock tonight here would be a, around 9 o'clock Monday morning in Cambodia, and Mike's going to be making his way to that monastery. But I want us to stop right now and pray for him. So can we do that? Lord Jesus, the, the gospel message is so powerful. And you, you've invited us to be your ambassadors. And I thank you for Mike and Liz and just this moment, that this opportunity that, that you've given them to share the gospel. And we know that all the results are up to you. They're in your hands. It's not, uh, you're the author of salvation. You're the one who opens eyes. You open hearts. You open minds. You open ears. But Father, Mike and Liz have been praying to be able to share the gospel. And you've opened up this opportunity with all these Buddhist monks. And I think about what I've seen there and the spiritual battle that's going on even right now as, 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 this, uh, as this is scheduled on their calendar for 9 o'clock tonight here. So I pray that they would feel, Mike would feel the prayers of your people. I pray that you would give him words, that you would give him strength, that you would give him a sense of your grace. And Father, we do pray that miraculously you would help those men to see that you are the only way to heaven. It's, and I pray that you would open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts. And Lord, would you, would you use them? Use Mike and Liz. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we've... Um, We've been tracking through the book of Acts, and it's been such an incredible moment. And, and, and you know, it's the adventure of following the Lord. Because when you follow the Lord and you, and, you, and, and you surrender to his voice, he leads you. And when he leads you, it's often uncomfortable. It's often, um, uh, you know, out of the, the box in our lives. It's often uh, moving us to take steps of faith. But, but I'll tell you, it's an adventure following the Lord. And it's a little crazy sometimes. And we, we're ending up the book of Acts. We have two more weeks, this week and next week. And we'll, we'll have ended this uh, pretty lengthy run through the book of Acts. And, and, and I'll tell you, to, today, this message is on my heart because I think we as believers need to understand suffering. We need to understand difficult circumstances. 
Because sometimes we have a false view of, of when bad things happen, what's going on. Sometimes we have this idea that when bad things happen to me, oh, God is somehow not faithful. And the reality is we as Christians will, will sometimes go through very difficult circumstances. And when that happens, not if, when that happens, because Jesus has told us over and over again that storms come in our lives. Uh, there, there's gonna, there are going to be storms. And in the midst of the storms, here's what we understand that we just saying, God, you are good. And he's good all the time. And he's faithful all the time. And, and you, we live in a lost world that looks at us and says, okay, where was God when that tornado came through or when, when that disaster happened? And, and let me tell you something, God is faithful in those moments when we get on our knees and pray for someone to be healed and they are healed and we praise the Lord and say, God, you are faithful. And I want you to know God is just as faithful and even more so, I think, maybe, that when, when we pray for somebody, we pray for healing, and then that healing results in not a physical healing. And, and I, I just want us to grow up in our faith and recognize that God is faithful. Now, if you have your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter 28. This is a crazy moment. This is crazy. It's relentless. Paul is suffering here. And, it, and it's like the kind of suffering that never stops. And so we're in Acts 28, and if you'll stand with me, we're going to read 1 through 6 together, and then we're going to kind of track through a little bit of the story. <clears throat> and it says this, After we were brought safely through, we, we then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all. Because it had begun to rain and was cold, uh, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live." He, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. And this is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> Thank you. you. may be seated. Now, um, what a crazy deal. Are you kidding me? I mean, I don't know about you, but I hate snakes. Uh, there may be some of you that like them. I don't like them, okay? Um, uh, I do not like snakes. I have a buddy that's a pastor in Stillwater. And if, you're, if your students are going to OSU, they need to visit Countryside Church in Stillwater. Justin Beatles was in my wedding. He was from First Baptist Thomas, uh, where he was a, just a uh, member, a student at OSU at that time. When I went to First Baptist Thomas, it was my first church. And, and the, me, the second I met Justin, we were lifelong friends, and we've been friends ever since. And, uh, and Justin uh, stood by me in my wedding, and, uh, and, and uh, one day we were driving on his farm, <laughs> and he goes, stop the car, stop the car. And so I stopped the car. We're, we're out on his country road. And he gets this six, he sees this bull snake on the side of the road, and he picks it up. And he's like, 
hey, you know, and Justin's a farm boy. He's tougher than I am. He can whip me. And, uh, um, and there's a reason the song says a country boy can survive. I'm a city boy. City boys, they can't survive as well. And uh, so Justin picks up the snake, and he's like, I'm like, oh, that's neat. That's neat. I, I, that's, that's cool. Okay, ready to go? Because I'm, I'm terrified. And he goes, I'm going to throw it on you. And I said to him, I said, let me tell you something. I said, in every other circumstance, you can whip me, but if you throw that on me, I will whip your rear right here on the side of the road. <laughs> and I think I was so convincing, he believed me. And so, so he didn't throw it on me. And, um, uh, but then he said something, oh, I got to kill it, it's biblical. And so, so he popped the head off. I don't know if you've ever seen anybody do that. If you're a PETA person, I'm sorry, but, but this was kind of cool. Uh, he, he swung it like a whip and then goes, and popped its head off. And I thought, wow, I've never seen that before ever in my life. And so that's when I decided for the rest of my life, I'm going to have people around me that grew up in the country because they just know stuff, man. Country people just know stuff. But But what a crazy moment. I mean, here's Paul. You know what happened? We looked at this last week in Acts 27. Here he is. They're they're on this ship, and and, and the ship is sinking, and and Paul is like, okay, look, it's going to be okay. An angel visited him. We looked at the last week how this angel appeared to him and said, hey, look, you're going to be good because God has called you to go to Rome. You're going to testify before Caesar. And so Paul's like calming everybody down. Uh, The ship, everybody follows Paul. Paul's advice. Uh, The ship is sinking. It's crazy. It's tense. I mean, if you can feel this, that it's night. uh, I mean, I'd be afraid of sharks. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be terrified. Um, And so the ship sinks. They, they, they're wet. They're cold. They swim ashore. We looked at last week, all 276 people survived. And now they're on this island of Malta, and, and they don't even know where they are at this point. They, they're starting to figure it out. Okay, I know where we are now, but, but they're building a fire. And, and, you know, it's like, whew, we made it. And then Paul, I, I love it. Look at, look at verse 1. Um, they, uh, after we were brought safely through, we learned that this island was called Malta. The native people, they, they're there. They're seeing all these prisoners get off. They showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed all of us because it had begun to rain and it was cold. So can you imagine the moment? Of course, it's cold, it's raining, they're wet. They're, they're trying to figure it out. And I love, I love verse three. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire. I mean, I mean, Paul, I mean, if I was him, I'd be like, hey, I'd be drinking some tea or something. I mean, he's like just saved the whole day. But yet here is this really good example of a leader well, what's he doing? He's gathering sticks. I want to be a leader like that. I think that we as a Christian ought to be that kind of servant leader. Here he is, you know, um, really could have commanded. I mean, everybody's doing what he said at this point. And yet Paul's out there gathering sticks, keeping the fire going. Love that. But as he's doing that, he puts them on the fire. And a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. I don't know about you, but that would freak me out, okay? Can you imagine that? Here you are, you're like, got these sticks in your hand. Now one of them is alive. And like it's hanging from his hand, hanging from his arm, going, huh, that's, that's exciting, right? That's neat. And, and what does he do? Um, 
when the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he's escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. You know, this was an island people. They, were, they, they believed justice. Some, some, some commentators say this was a reference to Lady Justice, their goddess, uh, one, of the, one of Zeus's uh, daughters who was seen as, okay, the one who exercises justice. And it's like karma. It's like this idea of, oh, well, he gets what he deserves. We, we in the United States have the similar reality. You know how the, we see Lady Justice in the courthouses, uh, they're blind justice, they, they just uh, make fair decisions. This is, this is who this is. This is a representative of that. And they're like, oh, well, he's not going to live. He, here he is, survived all this stuff, and now he's going to die. Verse, uh, verse 5, he, however, shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. What you don't hear is Paul freaking out right? You don't hear Paul going, oh, no, Lord, what are you doing? Why, what, what's going on? Well, I mean, I, I, I survived this shipwreck, and now I'm, I've gotten bitten by a poisonous snake. I mean, the reason they expected him to die, they had seen this before. They had seen this snake before. They knew this snake. They knew this type of, of scenario. They'd watch somebody getting bit by this, and they're like, okay, here he goes. He's a goner. But Paul just shakes it off and, and then goes on. Now, um, verse 6, it's interesting. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they waited a long time, and saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds. Now, can you imagine that scenario? I don't know if they're roasting hot dogs or marshmallow s'mores, or I don't know. If they're all just sitting there going, when's he going to die? When's he going to fall over? And Paul's like, hey, can you pass me some, I need a new hanger, or roast my weenie or a hot dog here. Uh, I, I'm probably not that way. But, uh, but, but, you know, here they are waiting for him to die, and he doesn't die. Now, how could Paul not freak out? I don't know. But, but I know that he trusted God. I know that God had already spoken to him and said, hey, hey, look, Paul, you're going to go all the way to Rome. And so in the midst of that difficulty, he's like, well, Lord, you're faithful. You're not going to let a snake kill me. Now, remember, remember in Luke chapter 10, turn over to Luke chapter 10. This is a really interesting passage because I, I think in some ways, and we don't know that Paul thought of this, but, but I know he knew what Jesus taught. I know Paul had grown up in his faith. He, he had discovered, God, you are faithful. Remember what Jesus said to, when he sent out the 72? He says this in verse 17. Look at, look at Luke chapter 10. He says, the, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And they said to him, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Jesus had already said, look, you're going to be able to trample on serpents. I don't know if Paul was thinking, Lord, hey, you've given us power over this. So I'm not going to sweat over the snake biting my arm, even though that's probably kind of a bummer. It's like, Lord, I'm not going to sweat over that. 
I'm going to trust you. And guess what? Again, God was faithful to Paul to protect his life. And and God was faithful to accomplish his purposes in spite of the suffering. Now, this is what I pray we understand. This is, I pray we grow up in our faith, that we grow to recognize, God, you are faithful in all circumstances, because there are times all of us will go through these moments where it seems like it's pressure after pressure and struggle after struggle, but can I tell you, regardless of the circumstance, God is always faithful. And this is something I pray we understand, that God is going to accomplish his purposes in us even when those purposes are difficult. And it's, it's amazing to, to see this. And, and it's interesting also that, that you see this form of, of, of justice. Most of the time when bad things happen, even Christians go, oh, well, you're being punished for some, something. Oh, you're getting what you deserve. And I've had, uh, I've got a dear friend at First Baptist Newcastle. Jeremy Freeman is a dear friend of mine fellow pastor, and, and uh, when his son died of cancer, people said, oh, well, I guess, I guess you don't have enough faith. And that's ridiculous. That is a ridiculous idea that is immature, belief, that, that comes from, from, a, uh, from a position of immaturity in our faith. And I want you to recognize God, Jesus said, I've told you these things, John 16, 33. I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus said, because I've overcome the world. And I want us to recognize this important truth that that God is purposeful in suffering. God has a purpose when we go through difficult times. That God is at work in our lives. And, And the miracle of following Jesus is not that we are exempt from tough times, but the miracle of following Jesus is that God walks us through tough times. And I want you to see how big God is. God, uh, you know, it's hard for our voices to even tell. Earthly eyes can't see very often how big he is. But yet he takes the time to walk us through even chaos in life. And this is something I pray we grow to understand. That God is faithful even in the midst of chaos. Now, here's here's what I see here. Point number one is this, and I want us to to see this. You know that, that, that God gives us faith the moment we need it. That that when you go through tough times, you know what God's gonna do? God's gonna give you faith the moment you need it. And I've seen this. I remember when I was required to stand and preach David Valoran's funeral. David Valoran was a partner in ministry with me, and he's been one of the guys that, that I would hit him on the arm and go, can you believe we just watched God do that? He hit me back, man, I, don't, I can't believe it. I can't believe, I mean, I, I've served the Lord with David Valoran in ways that were so much fun and, and, and just incredible moments with the Lord. And a couple years ago, he was tragically killed as he helped, helped a guy on the side of the road in Yukon, Oklahoma. Gets out of his car and pulls a family of four out of their car. And uh, gets out and 
uh, the, puts him in his truck, his wife and two of his children are in the truck, and he goes back to the car to get something for the man who was shaken up. And in that second, a car, another car has a wreck, hits him and kills him instantly. And I stood and preached, I had to stand and preach his funeral. And I'll never forget the moment standing in front of that church watching his family walk down the aisle knowing as soon as they sit down, i got to talk. It's packed and it was just, <clears throat> I was devastated. I was, I was hurting. I didn't understand. And, I'm, and I lose it when I see Tanya and, her, and their kids walk down the aisle. I was like, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do it. And I, I break down. I'm standing there thinking, how in the world am I going to talk? And, and you know what I felt the Lord do? I felt the Lord go, and just give me strength in that moment. And, and I want you to know that's what God does. I think that's what God did to Paul. That viper's hanging off his hand, and he's like, Lord, I remember you told me to go to Rome, so this thing's not going to kill me. And he threw it in the fire. See, it's proof that when you catch a snake, you ought to kill it, right? <laughs> so don't hold me to that. It might be a stretch. But, um, but you know what I love about the Lord? I'm amazed about the Lord. Do you know that God suffered for us? Isn't that interesting? We're going to look at this starting uh, in our Easter season. And in, in two weeks, we're starting our Easter series and we're going to look at how God suffered for us. It's mind-blowing that God himself would go to the cross. Here's the thing. God suffers with us. And this is a, a, a truth about God, that, that he suffers with us, and, and that the Holy Spirit is with us, that he, he walks with us. And this is something that's amazing about the Lord, is he is with us in times that are difficult. God, and here's the, the truth, too. This is a, a mind-blowing truth, that God suffers in us. How do I say that? Because the Holy Spirit dwells in, the, in believers the Holy Spirit is in us, and, and the fact that God suffers in us, and, I, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around Romans 8, 35 through 38. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to, the, to be slaughtered. no. In these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I want, I want us to see that, that God gives us the faith every time we need it. Second thing we need to see today is that, that God uses our suffering to help others learn, learn that God's faithful. You know, when we go through suffering, God uses that suffering to help others see the faithfulness of God. So this is why James says uh, in James chapter 1, we should count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And when we go through difficult times, let me tell you something, God is at work through that. And, and the miracle of following the Lord is God uses our suffering to help others learn the faithfulness of God. Now, blows my mind. Look at verse 7, back in Acts 28. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius, who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. Now think about this. There's 275 guys there, prisoners. 
and, and they show up. They're, they're shipwrecked. And this guy, a lot of them are prisoners, but, but he entertained them. He, he took care of them, verse 8. And it happened that, that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed. And put his, putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. It's this amazing moment that, that these people, and I think it's interesting that, that Paul has this snake on his hand. He shakes it off. They said, oh, you're a god. He's like, I'm not a god. What does he do when he goes to Publius' house and, and his father is sick? Well, he doesn't say, oh, I'm going to heal this guy. What he does, he says, I'm going to pray and ask God to do it. He sought the Lord for that healing. See, Paul was right in the fact that, that he, he wasn't just pointing to himself. He was pointing to God. And this is what I pray we do when, when we go through tough times. We recognize, God, you, how do you want to use this, God? And, we, and when, when people see us turn to the Lord, when people see us say, God, I need your help. And when we're honest about that and say, I don't know how God's going to help us through this, but I know that he's faithful. And when people see us living out our faith and trusting in the Lord, regardless of the circumstances, God uses that. And that's exactly what happened here. And, and here's what I found in my life, that life is more meaningful because of suffering. I've had people that, I've had to face some suffering. There have been moments that, that I've gotten questions <clears throat> from people I love that, I mean, I didn't know what to say <clears throat> to you guys that day that you all came to my office about Spencer, when Spencer was about to go to heaven. And, and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, help me. But you know what? We're, we're, we've seen God be faithful. And let me tell you something. When we get to heaven, we're going to recognize his masterful plan. And, um, but I found that life is more meaningful as we come together. We suffer together. Because when Billy went through suffering and we sat down together and cried together, we also became friends forever. And, and God united us and strengthened us and God helped us. Suffering shines the spotlight on God's faithfulness. When I suffered, when I've suffered, when I've gone through difficult times, it points to the faithfulness of God and, and, and this is what I see. Every dif difficult circumstance has a divine purpose. And see, Paul writes about this because you know what's going on. As Paul is in prison, as he's on this journey, he's writing the letters that we study. He's writing those, those letters to the Thessalonians, Colossians, and, and, and he's learning these things about God through his suffering, through his difficulties. And I love what he wrote in Colossians 1, 24 through 26. He says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings. For your sake, and in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations 
but now revealed to his saints. I mean, Paul says, I'm rejoicing in my sufferings because he knows that my sufferings are, are for the sake of us, the church. And, and, and see, he writes to the Colossian church, and we're still studying Colossians. We're still studying these letters. And, and I want us to see that when, when suffering comes, God has a divine purpose. Now, we may not see it on this side of heaven, but I guarantee you, when we stand before the Lord, and, and we as Christians, we have trusted the Lord in the midst of the suffering. And when we stand before the Lord and we're able to see how his divine plan worked out, that we will all be able to say, Lord, every, every tear I cried was worth it. Every difficult circumstance you brought me through, it was worth it. And that is very difficult to say on this side of heaven. But I want... I. I I believe Scripture reveals that. That on this side of heaven, the suffering we go through, the difficulties we go through are a part of God's divine plan. And, and believe me, because we know the providence of God, because we trust the hand of God, we know that life has not happened by chance. There's a purpose in life. And, and we see this, verse 11, back in... Acts 28, after three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Petolia, Petoli, where there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. You see, God had told Paul a long time ago uh, through Agabus that, hey, you're going to be arrested, but God had said, you're going to Rome to talk to Caesar. And yeah, it's been a shipwreck, it's been a snake bite, it's been the, the soldiers were about to kill him, but guess what? Paul lands in Rome. Can you imagine the moment he goes, huh, I'm here. Wow. God, you're faithful. And God, you kept your word. You know what I believe? The second that I draw my last breath and the Lord keeps his promise to me that I'm going to get to go to heaven, not because of what I did, not because of my works, but because of his mercy and his grace and the gift that he gave me that I didn't deserve. The fact that Jesus went to the cross for me and he saved me and rescued me. The second I get to heaven, I'm going to go, wow, Lord, you kept your word. It's true. And I just want you to know God's faithful. Point number three is this. Suffering is the path to both conquering and character. That when we suffer, what God is teaching us that, and let's go back to Romans 8, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to separate you from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. Danger? No. Or sword? No. Not going to separate us. As it is written, 
For your sake, we're being killed all day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. That's, that's what Christians face. And we've got to recognize in our American safe Christianity where we sanitize everything. Man, the, the call to follow Jesus is not easy. And, and, and the picture of us as Christians is we are like sheep to be slaughtered. And yes, you might say, well, Chris, that's not really appealing for someone. You need to make this more appealing to follow Jesus. Oh, make it more appealing. It's not my message. It's not my, it's not my message to change. The worst thing I could do is to change the message of the gospel. Let me tell you something. It's a free gift, but don't be mistaken. It's not cheap. That the second you come to Christ, the second you follow Jesus, it's not like when I brought my sweet Emily home from the hospital, who's on the front row here, and, and we took her the five-pound, 13-ounce Emily and put her in a crib with pads around it and said, oh, let's look at her. Oh, it's so cute. When, when I was born spiritually, I went into a war. And that's what happens. I'll tell you what, though. Oh, if God's speaking to you, don't miss him. Oh, my goodness. Don't miss him. Don't turn him away. If you don't know Jesus, you, oh, please come to Jesus today. But don't mistake the fact that, oh, when you follow Jesus, it's always going to be easy. It's not. And I would be lying to you if I said it was going to be easy. But what's interesting is when we suffer it, what does it say? No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so we see that suffering, what does it do? It purifies our lives. Suffering helps us grow. Suffering teaches us that, God, you're faithful. It, it, it grows us. And so this is why we should be thankful when suffering comes. Suffering, what does it do? It conforms us to the image of God. The times that I've suffered, I'm like, Lord, I'm, I'm learning to be like you. I'm learning to, to trust like you. I'm learning to obey like you. Even for Mike, I loved it this morning. He's like, yeah, it's kind of dangerous going to a pagoda to talk about Jesus. I don't know how this is going to work out. You know, I pray that forever, you as a Christian, you live your life taking those steps of, I don't know how it's going to work out. And, and, and what I pray that we do as we raise teenagers and, and kids here, that we teach them to take those steps of faith so that they understand that following Jesus is the greatest adventure they'll ever take because religion is really boring. And I've seen those that just go through the ritual of religion and they're like, dude, there's no power here. But when you take steps of faith and you learn to trust the Lord, let me tell you something. Following Jesus is the greatest adventure you could ever imagine. So don't embrace. Don't get sucked in to that safe, comfortable Christianity. Because that is not what Jesus has called us to. And suffering, you know what it does? It helps us fulfill God's calling in our per personal lives. And, and when we suffer, that's how we fulfill God's calling. So my prayer is that we understand this, that we follow the Lord in this. And I pray that's who we are. I pray that's, that's how we live. Lord, you are faithful all the time.
So I don't know where you are today, but God has us here in Acts 28. So it's time to grow up and grow to understand that the Lord is faithful all the time. We're going to have an invitation, and maybe, maybe you need to come and pray. Maybe you need to come down and, and just uh, say, Lord, would you, would you help me? Because I'm doubting you right now. It's okay. God's, um, God loves your honesty. Maybe you need to come to Jesus today. And, and you know what? I, I didn't make an easy pitch today. But guess what? It's not my message. It's not me that's speaking. It's the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, come to Jesus today. Would you just listen to the Lord and do what he's asked you to do?